Welcome to KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. You're listening to Panorama, a new show on KCOU, where we talk about issues that are in the news from the left, right, and center. My name's Emmett, and I'm joined here in the studio today by Lily and Nika. Today we're talking about the COVID-19 relief bill, but before we get started, Lily's going to briefly describe to us what that bill includes. Lily? It offers both state and local aid and increases unemployment benefits. It also aims to increase vaccination efforts nationwide. This bill is similar in cost to former President Donald Trump's relief package that was passed by Congress in March of 2020. The funding is directed somewhat differently, though. Under Biden, unemployment benefits will be lower than what was included in the Trump administration's package. The Biden administration's bill also includes an increase, sorry, formerly included an increase to a $15 minimum wage, which raised concerns over a loss of jobs, so it was dropped. Local and state governments, which currently employ roughly 13% of Americans, might have been more likely to lay off employees who already faced lower payrolls if the minimum wage was increased. On top of attempting to provide relief in terms of wages, schools could receive money that would help them reopen safely. It would also go straight to communities in the way of grants and loan programs for small businesses. It would expand paid leave and increase the size of tax credits for more families. These credits would be refundable, meaning families would be able to receive the cash benefits without earning enough to owe income taxes. Less wealthy families would receive the full credit, while more financially comfortable families would only receive a partial credit. All right. Thank you so much, Lily. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, Nico is going to give us his perspective from the right. Stay tuned. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. I wanna tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. My majesty's a pretty nice girl, someday I'm gonna make a mine, oh yeah, someday I'm gonna make a mine. All right, welcome back to Panorama on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. We're just about to dive back into today's discussion on the COVID-19 relief bill, and Nico is going to start off with his opinion from the right. Nico? The American Rescue Plan might be one that looks really pretty and dressed up well, but behind the package lies economic uncertainties and disasters that will hurt much more than being out of work for 10 months. Democrats believe that extreme spending helps poorer people and those in the lower class. When the debt comes crashing down, these poorer people will be the ones most affected. I know this sounds harsh, but this does not mean that conservatives do not care about the lower and working class people. Biden's plan simply costs too much. The Republican suggested plan offers a stimulus that would put money into the hands of Americans who actually need them. Biden's plan also gives a stimulus check to a large number of people who are not financially in need of it. This is a blatant waste of deficit spending. The package also tried to sneak in an increased minimum wage, something congressional Democrats have been trying to get passed as early as 2016, and activists have pushed for since as early as 2012. This new wage would leave many people unemployed, and the most, imp- 
when the most important objective at the time is to ensure the working class are keeping their jobs. Americans need more jobs, not less. This will lead to a drop in income in households that need it the most and will put more people below the poverty line than it helps to raise above it. The Senate approved a vote, a voice vote Thursday to uh, prohibit the increase of a federal minimum wage during the pandemic. The Republican plan offers the same amount of money for vaccine testing and equipment while ensuring grants and loans to businesses to ensure they survive the remainder of the pandemic. Biden's plan simply adds too much deficit spending to an already increased spending year. The Republicans wrote in a letter to President Biden, we recognize your call for unity and want to work in faith with your administration to meet the health, economic, and societal challenges of the COVID crisis. I hope Biden works to meet the call to compromising rather than running all over the GOP. All right, thank you, Nico. Um, so my first question, I wanted to push back a little bit on what you're talking about with the minimum wage because I've seen, I saw some research by uh, two authors, I think their names were Paul Wolfson and Brian Selman, I think. And in their uh, research, they went through 15 years of uh, re like previous research about the minimum wage. And they found that looking at that research, that there was actually some conservative bias in that research and that the argument that considerable jobs will be lost is actually sort of fiction. That um, in reality, the jobs like impact of a minimum wage hike, especially if it's progressive, would actually not be so bad. So my question is, if you think that minimum wage raise, like raising the minimum wage will hurt more than it helps, what do you propose the government should do instead to make sure that all working Americans can have a living wage? The government should do very little regarding private business. If Biden wants to raise the minimum wage for federal or state government, em government employees, that's okay. But this is just another example of Democrats trying to regulate private entities. Most businesses that hire at the current minimum wage are little to no skill required jobs, jobs meant for students in high school or graduating without major expenses. The harder and more work required for a job, the more they are paid. You're not going to stick around for a job that requires so much effort and only make this much money when you can go to another job that gives more money for the same amount of effort. The free market works because if you feel like you have more potential than what is being used at your current job, you can find another job or go back to school and become more qualified for a higher paying job. The minimum wage is not meant to be a, minim a living wage, but a stepping stone for something better. Um, that was a great answer, Nico. Um, one question I had for you was, so you said a reason you liked the Republican presented bill more was because it ensured the money went more directly to the people, including through grants and loans to small businesses. However, Biden's plan also offers money to small businesses through grant and loan programs. Um, how, how do you think the Republican bill does so differently or better? So I actually like that the Republicans are trying to compromise with the Democrats. Both Biden's original plan and the Republicans' proposed plan offer the same amount of money and grant and loans to businesses to ensure that these businesses can stay afloat and avoid massive layoffs. All right, so you've just heard from Nico and his side from the right. Had some nice discussion there, but now we're going to go back to another break, and then we're going to come back, and then it's going to be from my perspective from the left. Stay tuned. This is an important message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. They attack our trench. We attack their trench. And then to keep the score even, they will attack our trench once again. French foot occurs when feet are wet for long periods of time. French foot causes feet to hurt, swell, and feel heavy. Protect your feet. Clean and dry your feet, wear clean, dry socks, and soak affected feet in warm water for five minutes. Elevate bare feet when sleeping. 
Seek medical attention right away if you suspect someone has trench foot. Ah! I got the trench. Hey, welcome back to Panorama on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Today we're talking about the COVID-19 relief bill, and we just heard from Nico about how he feels from his perspective on the right. And now I am going to talk about my opinion on the issue from the left. So as a progressive, I do have to say that I'm very impressed with much of President Biden's American Rescue Plan. The bill covers many of the broad areas that the previous stimulus packages have covered, including direct payments, extending unemployment benefits, and funding for the distribution and development of COVID-19 tests and vaccines. I'm really happy with most of that, but I would like the direct payments to be bigger and targeted at lower income families who actually need them, not the wealthy. The Senate actually agreed on that on Thursday to target them, but not to make them larger, much to my chagrin. And the package also includes many of the items that progressives like me have had on our wish list all along, like funding for struggling state and local governments, paid sick family and medical leave benefits for caregivers, a national vaccine program, and more money to safely reopen schools. It also originally provided for an increase to the minimum wage, as you just heard Nico say, but that was dropped during the Voterama on Thursday. But I argue that this provision was essential to fight this crisis, because this pandemic is an economic and a public health crisis. Those who have been hit hardest by the pandemic are low-wage workers, especially black and brown essential workers, who would benefit greatly from an increased minimum wage because they're overrepresented in jobs that are paid the minimum wage. Studies by the Nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office and the left-leaning but still peer-reviewed Economic Policy Institute showed that increasing the minimum wage would boost the wages of tens of millions of workers and reduce economic inequality. However, as you've heard, it would cause a little over a million workers to potentially lose their jobs. Although studies by the EPI, which I will admit is a little left-leaning but they're still accurate, suggest that the jobs loss argument against minimum wage increases is slightly overblown. Raising the minimum wage helps more than it hurts. Every American deserves a low living wage. I agree that this is a big package, but it has essential funds that will help to vaccinate America against the virus, provide much needed money to the low income and jobless, throw a lifeline to state and local governments, and reopen schools safely. As Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said in a statement this week, we must act now and act big on stimulus if we hope to drive this pandemic back. Emmett, you say I would like the direct payments to be bigger but targeted at lower-income families who actually need them. Could this mean something like I said earlier, that not every household should be receiving these direct payments, and it should only be distributed to those who are seriously in need of the checks? Yeah, that's actually exactly what I'm saying. I don't think the wealthy should be getting any more than they already have. That's the same reason I support a wealth tax. Working class and currently unemployed people should be the only ones getting these checks because they're the only ones who need them. That ensures that we aren't wasting too much money. However, like I said at the top, I would then support making the checks larger, since there are going to be fewer of them going out to people. Um, so I was wondering, Emmett, how do you think raising the minimum wage would better benefit minorities now, rather than implementing that policy once the economy is less fragile? Do you believe the minimum wage should be immediately increased to its peak amount, or should it be raised in annual increments? Well, Lily, I agree that the, economic, I mean, the economy is actually very fragile right now. You're very right. But I do think that raising the minimum wage now would actually help to boost the economy because low-wage workers would have more money in their pockets and they would likely spend it. And consumer spending is actually a great way to improve the economy. Plus, I also think that waiting until the economy is less fragile will mean waiting a long time. And since I believe minimum wage reforms are long overdue, I think it's imperative that we raise that minimum wage as soon as we can, barring the circumstances. And yes, I do believe that it should be increased gradually, as it would very much hurt the economy to just jack it up to 15 immediately. Nico, you had one more question, didn't you? Yes. Uh, regarding 
the package as a whole, what concerns do you have about the rising natural, national debt and how another major deficit spending pa- package will affect it? Well, yeah, I am concerned about the national debt, but just like right now, I'm more concerned about ensuring that every American can receive a vaccine, have a job to work at, and also have enough money for a home, food, and water. Like, the truth now is that poorer Americans are struggling mightily, and worrying about the national debt is not going to help them keep the lights on or feed their children. I say we should ask for forgiveness, not permission, because if there's any time to break the bank, it's now. I guess that's all the questions for my section, so thank you for the great questions, guys. We're going to take another quick break real quick, and we're going to come back with Lily, who's going to be giving us her perspective from the center. Stay tuned. Okay. Hey, this is KCOU, 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the hottest project of this year, possibly next? Come down to our studio in the Student Center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. Welcome back to Panorama on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Today we're talking about the Biden administration's COVID-19 relief bill. So we've talked about both the right and the left views in the COVID-19 relief bill, and now Lily is going to tell us about her views from the center. Lily? This isn't the first massive relief bill we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic. In fact, the Trump administration bill had a very similar price tag. However, that bill was proposed nearly immediately after nationwide lockdowns started going into effect. Almost a year later, the United States has a much clearer understanding of the virus, access to vaccines, and a relatively solid understanding of what the timeline looks like before life might return to normal. Keyword, relatively. Yes, I thought the Trump administration bill cost too much, but I think there are even more ways the Biden bill could be cut down. First, some of the cash in Biden's relief bill goes towards funding international programs such as one in Pakistan, and even the creation of a panel that would examine a secession to the Dalai Lama. I find it very impossible to understand how either of those directly relate to coronavirus relief, and I really think pork barrel projects need to be kept separate, especially from emergency bills like this one. I'm also concerned about vague aspects of the bill that don't do a good job of clarifying just how local businesses would be benefited by grant and loan programs. It feels a little like a performative promise, and I worry larger companies might be able to find loopholes into stealing funding that's not meant for them. I am incredibly grateful, though, that they removed the part of the bill that would immediately increase minimum wage. My only wish is that they would compensate for that by increasing the unemployment payments to what Trump's bill offered, at the very least for workers already making less than $15 per hour. I'm also happy that there are benefits for parents in the form of tax credits. While deficit spending is never something I like to see, those credits don't actually provide relief until the end of the fiscal year or whenever people file their taxes, which allows that spending to take place more gradually. Finally, I love to see that schools will receive funding that would help them open safely, but would really prefer to see mandates attached to exactly how that funding needs to be used. All right, Nico, did you have a question? Yeah, great point, Slowly. Um, At one point, you said you think that it would be beneficial to increase the unemployment benefits for people who make under $15 an hour to what Trump offered. What do you think doing so would be, why do you think doing so would be more beneficial than increasing the minimum wage? 
Okay, so this is actually kind of funny. Um, as I was falling asleep a couple nights ago, I rolled over and quickly did the math on what $15 <laughs> per hour for a 40-hour work week would look like on a paycheck. Nice. Um, <laughs> thanks, Emmett. It ended up uh, matching what Trump offered for unemployment benefits back in March, which I found very interesting. Um, I think in this instance, it is a way to mimic raising the minimum wage without putting pressure on businesses that have the power to just lay off employees they may see as disposable. That way, more people are immediately benefit benefited without seeing some of the job loss potentially associated with raising the minimum wage without gradual increments. All right, I like that response, Lily. I do disagree with some things, but I have my own question. So uh, just before I start, I wanted to say that I do agree that the pork barrel, like the Pakistan, and especially the Dalai Lama thing, why the heck is that in this bill? It should not be there. <laughs> I agree. And I also, I share your worry about larger businesses benefiting from tax credits for smaller businesses because, I mean, I'm pretty sure it happened before under Trump's relief bills. Definitely. So there's precedent for that. But my big question, though, is um, how do you think that Biden's package, you said earlier that you think it should mandate how that funding for schools is uh, allocated. How do you think that should happen? Like, where should that funding go? Yeah, definitely. Um, because many school districts are still mandated to stay closed and some parents are not ready to send their children back to school, I worry that if the package doesn't mandate how that school funding is used, districts might just use it to stay closed. In my opinion, the money should be broken up categori categorically. For example, with parts of it that is required to buy personal protective equipment, such as masks and cleaning supplies like hand sanitizer or wipes, and other parts that might go towards helping extracurricular activities happen safely. I even think it could be beneficial to have money allocated to regular testing in schools, at least for staff members like teachers who see students most closely. I also think schools should be rewarded for sending students back to school, at least starting with uh, programs like special education, where those students might really need it the most to have that structure available to them. I don't believe students should be required to return to school if their parents are not comfortable with it, and I believe those students who need to stay home should still receive any assistance they might need. However, I really think the stimulus money needs to go towards students who want to return to in-person school where it is safe to do so, and school, school districts can determine what of their own money goes to those who do want to stay home. You also said deficit spending is never something you like to see. What do you see as an alternative solution to deficit spending that can still stimulate the economy and hinder the pandemic? Um, honestly, especially right now, it's really hard to find the balance in terms of limiting deficit spending right now when we're trying to stimulate the economy. I don't believe areas that currently have very high coronavirus numbers should be forced to open up businesses and restaurants since that's just truly unsafe. Personally, I think deficit spending right now is more acceptable but the government needs to focus on cutting down on unnecessary programs and committees within itself so that debt is reduced once America starts to recover from the pandemic. Thank you, Lily, and thank you, Nico, for those great questions. So, uh, hey, we're going to take another quick break real quick, and when we come back, we're going to actually talk a little more about this COVID-19 relief bill and a free-form debate. All right, stay tuned. This is KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. The Missouri Army National Guard can help you get the education you need to land the career you've always wanted. The Guard will pay up to 100% of your tuition for up to 39 credit hours per academic year at 90 colleges and tech schools across the state. You're eligible as soon as you enlist. Learn more about the many benefits that come with serving part-time in the Missouri Army National Guard. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station. 
Today's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Oh, nuts! There's a bobcat in this cave! Save us, sassy! You will, but first you'd like to stress the importance of cat adoption? Over five million cats go into animal shelters every year and they need to be adopted? Help us, sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. Welcome back to KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. This is Panorama. Okay, so now we're in the last segment and the best segment of the show, the freeform debate. We're going to talk about some of the issues we discussed in this episode, and we're first going to start with bipartisanship versus getting something through. So basically, we're just going to talk about when is spending time on a bipartisan bill, like this big COVID bill, more important than getting a bill through quickly? Lily, I believe you wanted to start? Yeah, so Emma and I actually talked about this a little earlier in the day, and uh, we were kind of thinking that uh, right now, since this is an emergency situation and Americans need help right now for the short term, uh, getting this bill through very quickly is very, very much more important than making sure that each party is equally pleased with it. Um, but we were also kind of thinking that a bipartisan bill, spending spending a lot of time on creating a bipartisan bill might be more important for something that's going to affect Americans for many years to come and many administrations to pass, such as immigration policy that uh, may last for decades at a time. Yeah, I totally agree on a lot of that. One thing I did want to add, though, is that, um, in my opinion, um, bipartisanship can be important in situations like this. Like, if I think it's important if the bipartisan effort is realistic. Like, I think that the Republican bill was much, much, much too small. It was only a third of Biden's bill, and that's way too low to be realistic, especially in a situation like this. And I just think that was too low. Nico, what do you think? So think about it like you're trying to buy a house. It's just the simple premise of negotiations. You start, you get a high price, and then you try to lowball them at the beginning. And then you have to negotiate from there, and you meet somewhere in the middle. Instead, Biden kind of set a high price from the very beginning. Republicans came in with a lower of a price, I'll admit. Um, and then Biden was kind of like, it doesn't matter, and he's going to continue to go with his super high-priced bill, which can be detrimental to the economy relatively soon. That's a good point, but just using your same analogy there, like, I think that it's important if, for example, if you live in a house already and you want to get a better house, of course you should haggle for it and debate because you can come to a situation where you can have something that everybody's pleased with. Like, for example, like immigration, like Lily was talking about, you want long-lasting policy on stuff like immigration that isn't just going to get turned over by the next administration. But, like, say you're homeless, you're not going to go and find a house and, like, haggle for it forever. You're going to find something you need right away. And I feel like the COVID bill is the same thing because, you know, we literally have, like, starving, sick people in this country that, you know, could really benefit from this uh, relief to happen now. And while, yes, it would cut into the deficit, I feel like helping people, in my opinion, now is more important because this bill is so imminent. The need for this bill is so imminent. Um, definitely. I think I agree with both of you for different reasons. Um, I agree with the idea of haggling and getting it from that lower price to the higher price, but I think cutting the bill into a third of what the Biden administration wants was definitely too far of a lowball for any negotiation to be reasonable because the Democrats are just going to look at that and think, what are you 
doing. It's like a joke, that's not, right? Exactly. It's like that's not nearly enough money for anybody um, or to benefit enough. You know, there's this is a full spectrum of issues. There's vaccination, there's schools, there's businesses, and there's individuals, and there's employment. And it's impacting a lot of... It's, it's impacting the entire country, not just one small thing. And so it's almost impossible to get that bill down to a third of what Biden is proposing with it still being reasonable. And I kind of see this as being a little bit ridiculous after Trump passed a bill that was equal in price, and I didn't see very many Republicans complaining about it nearly as much then. Yeah, and we saw the awful effects of like forced bipartisanship over the summer when you know, we spent months and months and months going for a COVID bill. The Democrats in the House had a bill done in May, but we didn't get the actual COVID bill to what, like December? Like, exactly. it took forever to get something done. And that was the second COVID bill. I know, yeah, we got the first one in March, but the second one, like, it took forever and people needed it. Like, because we can't just, like, leave people, like, out to dry for, what, nine months? Like, bipartisanship is a good thing on some kinds of bills, but I just feel like on a stimulus relief package, when we're in the middle of the worst pandemic in a century. I just feel like that's not the time. I feel like the, the Republican bill was trying to make a statement and saying that not this much money is needed every time that there is a crisis shown. They have already put in, uh, they have already put in a third or half of what the normal yearly spending is just in uh, relief packages. And in this one, if they're offering the same amount of money for vaccine t testing and protective equipment and grants and loans to businesses to ensure that um, people are not being laid off. The only difference is kind of are, are those um, aids to outside uh, countries, like Willie was talking about earlier, a little bit less money uh, reopening schools, no money at all giving aid to state and local governments, and no money giving aid to renters and landlords. I think the point of this is to try to say the states and, lo and local governments should be doing, uh, should be creating plans for this for themselves. It's more of a cost-benefit analysis to what things should be closed down, and after you figure out what things should be closed down, the states themselves should raise the taxes and do that on their own. I don't think it should be up to the government to be dipping into the uh, treasury like it's a piggy bank and continuing to take out money like we have all the money to spend when at the end of the day all of this money we're taking out of debt and none of this is real money in the first place For yeah sure. oh so, uh, sorry I'm sorry you want to go Lily yeah um I I agree with you Nico I I do think that um you know the thing to me though is that state and local governments employ I think it's around 13 percent of the US right. population which I saw um, and so that's that's a lot of people who could face job loss if uh, federal money does not get to them. But I do agree that state and local governments should be responsible for uh, that cost-benefit analysis that they aren't really responsible for right now. Um, and I, I know that standards around the country are very different for what should be open and not, and that could be a little bit more consistent if we saw some of that reasoning going on within those smaller governments. Yeah, exactly. And I think the lack of a state and local government funding on the Republican bill is pretty much my biggest problem with it. Lily just made a very good point about it, how there's a large segment of the workforce that suffers when the government suffers. But also, I feel like we've just seen with like state and local governments during this pandemic that leaving everything up to them doesn't work. Because 
you had some states that were doing fantastic for most of the pandemic, and then other states that were doing horrible because every state had sent policy. And, you know, I just don't think, like, we've seen how, you know, spotty mask mandates and spotty, like, uh, bar closers and restaurant closers didn't really work to tamper the spread of the pandemic, leading to us having the most cases in the world. So, like, I just don't think that, like, relying on state and local governments, while, of course, federalism is important and the national government should not be doing everything, I feel like state and local governments have proven themselves in this pandemic unable to ensure equality for all Americans. And I think that's actually awful that, like, the state you live in depends on, you know, the kind of, like, help you can receive. I mean, think about it this way. I mean, Missouri is, I think, 50th or 49th in vaccine rollout. And 49th? Okay, thank you. And that's, like, that's not fair for people in Missouri, you know, for us to have it be so hard to get our vaccines when in states like West Virginia, like, so much of their population has already been vaccinated. Like, I just think that state and local governments have proven themselves to be unable to fight something as big as the pandemic together. We need to work together on this, and the national government is how we do that. But uh, we're all out of time, everybody, and uh, I just want to thank Lily and Nico for a a great first show. Thank you. This has been Panorama on KCU 88.1 FM Columbia, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll have shows every Sunday at 6 p.m., so feel free to hop on and give us a listen. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a great week. Thank you.